the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. We are quite happy that you have chosen or, okay, more probably landed on this show by accident because I firmly believe this will be a pretty good show. Well worth your time. Of course, I'm assuming you don't have much else going on in your life like me. I mean, why not be honest here, right? I mean, if if I wasn't doing the radio show right now, I'd probably be taking a nap. Because I find they're an effective time killer on days where, you know, you've seen everything possible on all the channels and streaming sources you have available. You've already called just about anyone you know who would pick up when you actually use your phone to call out, or, or even when your thumbs are just too sore to play yet one more video game. This is when a show like ours comes in handy. It's mindless entertainment that you just let happen. There's nothing to do but let it flow into your ears. I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll burn zero calories listening to The Spud Goodman Show, nor will you accrue any extra steps. And for sure, we will not lower your blood pressure. Well, why didn't you say so? But hey, regardless, why don't... Yeah, I just still... I, I, I say, let's just get this thing started by introducing our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us your best chuckle, if you would. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a good chuckle, Aunt Dorothy. Maybe in your top 15. Oh, well, I guess that's a compliment coming from you. I felt that chuckle was in my top five of all time. Really? It was very well executed. Well, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree again. Now now I'm required to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. You have a choice right now. You can be selfish and eat up valuable airtime by babbling on, or you can do the right thing and just do like a little curtsy. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, they do those in the UK when someone is introduced to the royal family. Just stand up now and do a little dip if, if you can physically pull it off. Well, I, I will most certainly not curtsy to you, Spud. That is offensive. I, that's... Uh, frankly offensive. No, to the listeners. I, I just want an opportunity to greet our listeners and express myself. I have a lot to express. So, can I do that now? G- express myself? Uh, it depends on how long we're talking to express yourself. But okay, you have nine seconds then. Go for it. Uh, all right. Well, let me begin by saying how excited I am about this episode. As yeah, I hate to I interrupt, th- but unfortunately, I'm supposed to now bring on our show's intern chance. Now, nice. he, unlike you or really even me, has some juice with station management. It's no secret that ever since that first dumb listener survey that alleged he was kind of popular came out, both of our lives at this station ha- ha- have taken a hit, okay? 
Um, anyway, here he is, Chance the Intern. Uh, go ahead, uh, throw out something. I take no offense from your meaningless words, bud. I'm better than that. In the big picture, you're an inconsequential figure, so why exert the effort to engage when you're displaying passive-aggressive behavior towards me? I know I represent the future to the listeners, and you only the regretful past. Not only are your best days behind you, I really don't see that many decent days ahead for you either. So, uh, at times okay. I do feel kind of sorry for you. Not often, but sometimes. Mm. Oh, that is terrific. Chance, dear, you are such an evolved man at this point in your life. You've grown up before my eyes. From our first date to this day, your growth has been stunning. I'm so blessed to have you in my life. Okay, okay, okay. I have to break this up before I throw up in my mouth yet one more time. Fine. I need to get to the topic we're going to discuss on this episode. It's something that just about everyone ponders at one point in their life. I'm talking about retirement, okay? That holy grail we all look forward to at the end of our careers. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this, so let's begin the discussion. Well, retirement's not exactly on my mind at this point in my career, Spud. I have so many career goals to still meet before I consider an off-ramp professionally. Uh, I certainly am not going to retire as a co-host. No well, way that's going to happen. I will work into my 90s if it takes that long for me to get my own show. Shut up and dribble. Oh, really, retirement is overrated if you ask me. I've tried it a few times, but I really do enjoy having a job. Well, not this volunteer gig here as a designated laugher. I'm referring to a real job. That's why I still have three part-time jobs right now. I love being active, being needed, being good at what I do. And your work ethic is one more reason why I love you so much, Dorothy. Thank you. I really appreciate you respecting my plans to retire in my late 20s. If your health holds up and you keep working those part-time jobs, I think my plans are realistic. You dick! Whatever makes you happy, babe. Oh, Aunt Dorothy, I, I really need to talk to you about enabling this freeloading millennial. Uh, but we gotta, you know, we're going to return to the topic a little later, but right now i, I got to play some music. So here's a song by the Tacoma, Washington band Enumclaw, who big things are expected from, okay? Uh, this is a cut off their 2022 album, Save the Baby. Here is Park Lodge. Dreams are made 
This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, this is Cheech Marin, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. So am I. So keep listening. It could pay off. Spud, your first guest, Topher Grace, is waiting to speak with you. Now, I understand he starred in that 70s show, and I've... I believe I've seen that before, but it had a lot of young people in it. When I read the title of the show, I just assumed it was about senior citizens, you know, maybe set in a nursing home or something. All right, I don't want to, like, really sound stupid when I do this show today. Uh, yeah, it, it still airs, like, five nights a week in syndication in every market in this country, dude. So I don't think we need to, like, ever stage any GoFundMe efforts for any of the cast members. They're all set for life. But isn't our radio show syndicated too? I mean, why aren't we making the big bucks? I, I've wondered this for years. Not that I'm complaining about my salary, but, you know, I, I do need my second job at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. To adequately support the family. You always have, you know, the bachelor option, like me, as, as wow. I can make my salary work if, if I stretch things that, you know, that last week of the month. Uh, I'm not saying ditch the family right now, but, you know, maybe down the road, uh, as it would lessen the financial stress. Ooh, yeah. I, I know you're joking, so I'll, I'll let that pass. Just put him through. Yeah, here he is. Please say hello to actor Topher Grace. Thanks a lot for coming on our show. Uh, yeah, you have a new show on ABC, Home. Now, what's the name of it? Home Economics. Economics, not home education, right? And it airs Wednesdays <laughs> at 9.30, 8.30 Central. So I, I bet some people maybe have screwed that up, so I kind of want to take it slow. No, no, no one would be that... That's stupid. Yeah, I didn't that. think so. Uh, oh, <laughs> for those who have not caught the show, though, uh, give us the, like the basic storyline, if you would. Uh, by the way, thanks for having me. Um, it's about three adult siblings, which I thought was cool when I first read it. I thought there are very few shows about adult siblings and what that relationship is. And uh, they're, they're very different in terms of uh, where they are financially. Uh, I'm kind of firmly middle class. My younger brother is like a multimillionaire and my sister is a uh, you know really struggling to get by we all live in the same city so we hang out a lot but we have very very different lives and things going on but there's a lot of love between us spud what could i could i jump in here it is so nice to hear that the cast of topher's new show get along so well you know that they share a love for each other and probably off the air too i like to think that we here at the spud goodman show also love each other uh hey topher uh, give me a sec here i don't know if we truly love each other here on this show well, i mean let's be honest we we do have some real differences between us and well yeah okay it's mostly with you and i and our issues go way back pretty much to the day you know you were hired to fill in temporarily uh, for the original co-host of this show chick hunter uh you know you do an okay job i, I guess but you are no chick hunter yeah, well i never met chick hunter but i've heard everyone refer to him and i i know he left some big shoes to fill but i think i've done okay i bring something different to the table you know 
I guess that's the problem. You do bring something different to the table, and it's uh, it's not something I would be ordering, you know? I mean, you're you're way too needy for a co-host. Not like Chick. I mean, I, I don't have the time to get into this right now. I, I got to do this interview. Well, yeah. Sure, you go ahead and finish up the interview. Uh, yeah, I will, because that's my job. Okay, I'm back. Well, you are no stranger to network uh, sitcoms, having started one of the biggest you know, ever that still airs regularly in syndication, that, that 70s show. Has anything changed much now doing a weekly network show again? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a different kind of show. I, uh, what I loved about doing 70s show, and I actually went and did it again. They're doing it that 90s show, mm-hmm. and I went to do one episode of it with Ashton and Mila and Flora and all those guys. Um, it's in front of an audience. So, uh, like the Big Bang Theory or Will and Grace, that's how 70s show was shot, which is a wonderful way to start your career because if you're telling a joke and it doesn't work, you find out real fast because the audience is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of more high stakes when you're doing something which is single camera, which is what home economics is, right. is you're um, just filming like a movie, you know, with one camera. Right. and. You kind of. I'm so glad I started with that audience because I still hear it in my head. You know, you kind of know would they be laughing or not. Well, you know, I would. I would think that you don't have to deal with many notes from the suits, as you're one of them now, serving as executive producer of the show. Do you send your co-stars any at all now, or do you, or do you deliver them in person on the set? Well, <laughs> thank you for assuming that I have any power. But uh, no, the the truth is, the only thing I was really obsessed with for this show was I felt like I'd been a part of a dream team. I kind of didn't want to do it again unless it was people that I really, I, I really loved working with Ashton and Mila and, and uh, Wilmer and Laura and all those, and, and Deborah Joe and Kurtwood. And so, you know, to have to do it again, I was really a part of like who was going to be on the show. And okay. Uh, and I, some people I knew, and I was a huge fan of, like uh, Shashira Zameda was on SNL, so I knew her from that. But then some people I didn't know at all, like the, uh, Carla, who plays my wife, who's an amazing, amazing actress. She'd only done drama, and she came in, and I, I was like, I think this person's absolutely hilarious. And so to create a dream team like that, every time we're at brunch, we do brunch every episode, and... That's how the family kind of gets together. Okay. I'm sitting there just fanning out on these people. I got to be a part of bringing this amazing cast together, and the chemistry is just off the charts. All right. Okay, cool. very cool. Well, uh, this is a quick one. You grew up in Darien, Connecticut. I read uh, you know, that Chloe Seventy was occasionally your babysitter. She sure beats the one like my parents got for me. My, you know, my cousin Rick, he was very mean. Did you uh, behave with <laughs> Chloe, or were you an incorrigible brat? I had such a crush on Chloe Sevigny and she was my babysitter and I I'll tell you this really uh, dorky move I did which is when she would turn around I would blow kisses at her back because I had such a crush on her Dude, uh, oh, okay. Um, what's the age difference? By the way, if anyone who wants to know, that, that trick doesn't work if yeah. you're in fifth grade. Yeah, fifth grade. I'm in what? love with an older woman but yeah, but uh, she's you know, and then I remember she was nominated for Academy Award a couple years later. I said, oh, I guess I have good taste. Was it was it even realistic? How much older was she? God, not that much older. I had a younger sister, so she was okay. maybe three years older than me. But it was like my parents couldn't really leave me alone at the house. And yeah, I bet. She was a nice person. Right. I bumped into her a couple times when uh, Black Klansman went to 
the Cannes Film Festival, she was there, and I went, oh my God, like, what is my life that I'm bumping into my old babysitter at, at Cannes? <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, in 2018, you, you played David Duke in Spike Lee's The Black Klansman, based on the book written by Ron Stallworth. You know, we had Ron on our show before the film came out, and he described some of the conversations we, uh, he had with David Duke. It was a long interview. Uh, did you ever speak with him before shooting it? I mean, he's an intense dude for sure. Oh, yeah. He was very involved with the film. He was there at our table read, and he gave a speech uh, this is before we read through it for the first time and in which he took his uh, this is unbelievable he took his clan member card mm-hmm. that was issued and signed by David Duke on the back out of his wallet passed around the room and we went like oh my god this guy really lived it and then so to then go tell his story and yeah he was on set oh, we did very... press together afterwards and he was just such a amazing person to be able to ask that person questions you know, sometimes you're doing a movie that's totally fictional, so right. you're asking the writer questions. But to be able to ask the real guy the questions about how it went down. Um, and then I think they spoke again um, as the film was coming out, which was really intense. And uh, right. I just had such incredible uh, learning experience. You know, everyone who's seen the film, I think, had a little learning experience, but uh, the people, people acting in it really did. Well, you, you, I gotta say, you did a great job. Uh, let me hit with this last one, because I know you gotta get going here. I, I read that you enjoy recutting films, having done so, you know, with, with, an, with a number of big box office hits, just for fun. Uh, you know, for instance, I guess you, you recut the Star Wars prequel trilogy in, into an 85-minute film. Let me clear this up. I basically, look, I'm like a hobby editor. I'm not well, okay, editor. I'm okay. in a film. I don't want to edit it. It was more just, in order to learn how to edit, I needed a, a lot of footage. Okay, okay, but here's my question. I'm a Star Wars fan. Okay, but my I, question. Oh, like, this whole trilogy, I can cut it down. Well, yeah, but here's what I want to know. You, you supposedly recut Boogie Nights. Is that ever available anywhere to check out? That's my last question. But that's not true. I didn't recut Boogie Nights. Uh. Took the um, and it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah, if you type oh, in my name and I'm and searching, Boogie Nights, it's basically I took the film that's within Boogie Nights called Angels Live in My Town. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson put a bunch of the extra footage of that film that isn't in Boogie Nights on the DVD. So okay. I took a bunch of footage and cut that whole film together. Which there were different clips of it through the movie and then the extras. And so I put a little five minute clip that is the you wow. know that film in its entirety. Which I this is just when I was learning how to edit. Well, I'm searching. But, um, I'm searching. I'm searching. I know you got to go, so I got to get this in, and I'm going to get it correct this time. I'll remind everyone that your ABC series Home Economics airs Wednesday nights at 9:30, 8:30 Central. Yeah, I did it there. Thanks so much for checking in with us, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mr. Topher Grace. There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission.
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So, Aunt Dorothy, can we return to what we were discussing about your soon-to-be husband retiring in his late 20s? How can you sign off on that? I mean, he, he just turned, what, 22? And, and he's already planning his retirement? You are not his helicopter parent, okay? Yes! Oh, I'd rather not discuss this on the air, Spud. That issue is between my soon-to-be husband and I. Don't be so judgmental of chance. He has his own path, and if that means he will leave the workforce at an early age, then so be it. Uh, leaving the workforce? He's, he still does not have a paid position anywhere. Uh, I believe his only income right now is his weekly allowance, as he's you know, he's still living with his mom and dad, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I earn my allowance, bud. It's no gift from my parents. I have a list of time-consuming chores to complete each week. Like what? Uh, vacuuming your bedroom once a week? Yes, I do have to vacuum my room, but there are so many other chores to do, like loading and unloading the dishwasher each day, taking out the recycling, cleaning out the cat's litter box every other day, Okay, okay. I, I, I think an average six-year-old could handle those duties. Um, I think it'd be actually... Ch Chance, you, you can't retire before you've established an actual career and worked hard at it for many years. That's what retirement is, a reward for hanging in there in really crappy positions before you die on the job. Yeah, uh, Chance, I have to agree with Spud on this one. You cannot retire before you've achieved anything or, or given a significant segment of your life to your employer. Getting up and going to work year after year, even when you're not feeling up to it or would rather be doing something else. Now, I've never experienced being unhappy on the job as I was born to work. It is my most favorite activity. That is messed up, yo. You know... As I've said previously on this show, I have never, ever called in sick at any job I've held, even when I was a paper boy in middle school. There's something wrong with you, dude. Uh, Why? I could list about 50 more enticing things to do than working, but yeah, I mean, everyone does have to put in at least a couple decades before they can legitimately retire from the workforce. Some snot-nosed kid can't call it a day after a couple years. That That's just wrong. Ch Chance, everyone in your life will hate your guts with extreme jealousy if you retire in your 20s. I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. Uh, I won't. All I care about is what makes Chance happy. Anything else is irrelevant. If his peers don't approve, well... That should not be his concern. Yeah, I kind of know that my dad will be jealous and will be giving me a hard time as I guess he doesn't have a pension and his 401k is pretty weak, so he'll be working until he dies, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of my problem, too. There are no pensions in the radio or cable TV business. And my 401k is a joke right now, so I, I'm still working on some angles to make sure, though, I don't have to work after I'm placed in a nursing home, like as a janitor or, or something, you know, to, to help pay for it. Maybe I, I, too, one day will find my own sugar wife like you, Chance. But please, please don't use that term in my presence, Spud. 
Just because I'm financially secure myself and will be able to support us both if Chance does retire early, it just it just shouldn't make others angry or envious. Now here's the deal. Dorothy, after I do retire, maybe you could have a talk with my dad, you know, to smooth things over. I'd still like to go over to their house on Sundays for dinner. I hope that'll be okay with you. My mom is a really good cook. Every Sunday. Um, well, we can talk about that further off the air, honey. Hey, one free meal a week uh, adds up over a year. Think about it. You know, as, as far as your food budget goes, Aunt Dorothy, uh, I'd jump on that offer if I was you. Dinner is served. Uh, you know, I know when our three kids are grown and out of the house, settled down with families of their own, we fully expect them all to come to our Sunday dinners. It's a Holcomb tradition. Even during the NFL season? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I don't leave my apartment on Sundays from September until February. I, I turn my cell phone off, too, uh, on that day. It's, you know, well, okay, until the Sunday night football game is over, uh, or it's a total blowout. Then oh. I, put it, I turn it back on. Oh, boy, your obsession with watching sports probably cost you two of your three marriages, bud. I thank my lucky stars that Chance is not interested in sports. Well, I do enjoy hacky sack. It's pretty exciting to watch and play. I don't think so. Uh, that's a pretty weak example of a sport, but uh, I'm like, I don't have time to get into that. Uh, hey, can someone check if our next guest is ready? Spud, your next guest, Paul Walter Hauser, is holding for you. Now, should I know who Paul is? Because uh, I can't place him. Well, he's currently one of, in my opinion, uh, like he's the greatest unknown actor working today. Okay, oh. I just said it. Okay. You know, and what he did in the Apple TV series Blackbird was not just amazing; it was memorable. So, yeah, he's talented. Now, Apple TV it, is that some kind of show the kids watch on their iPods? You know, I think my oldest, Gerald Jr., has one of those devices. What are you people on dope? Uh, no, I don't think so, but Apple TV right now may have the best programming out there, you know, streaming-wise. They, they have a ton of shows that are really good. Um, Paul, I think, is going to be huge someday. You, you can write that down. Yeah, well, I'll see if I can borrow my son's iPod, and I'll check out if this Bluebird show is on it. I'll let you know. I love the poorly educated. Super. Now, now just put Paul through, please. Yeah, here he is. Please welcome actor, comedian, Paul Walter Hauser. Thanks a bunch for coming on our show, man. Thank you for having me, buddy. I, you, could, you could be talking to anybody today. You're talking to me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I will cop to the fact that I am a fan, okay? Yeah. Your performance in the Apple TV series Blackbird, it has to be the top performance in any broadcast, cable, or streaming show in 2022. The Emmy had better be yours. For those of our listeners who have not already seen the show, can you give them the basics? Yeah, so the thank you for saying that, man. The basics are that uh, Jimmy Keene was a man in the 1990s who was put away for uh, firearm and drug charges. He was supposed to be in prison for 10 years, but a year and a half in, he was given this offer to enter a maximum security prison um, that hosts much of the criminally insane. Mm -hmm. One of them is Larry Hall, who is a factual real-life serial killer who they believe may have killed anywhere between 14 and 40, 50 women. Uh, and 
I play Larry Hall. Taryn Edgerton plays Jimmy Keene. And Jimmy's there to get a fourth confession out of Larry because they might not be able to put him behind bars for life. They have him there, but he was up for parole. So it's this kind of heroic under, undercover story in which he tries to befriend me and get me to spill the, spill the tea, as it were. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm really proud of how the show turned out, man. Absolutely. People uh, from Ray Liotta to Taryn Edgerton to Greg Kinnear. It's, it's just one of these great ensemble pieces. Well, let's, let's be real. You played one of the darkest and creepiest characters, or at least that I can remember. Did it take you time to decompress after doing this role? Like maybe you went to Disneyland or Vegas right afterwards to unwind? No, there was no real unwinding. Uh, I was in a rough patch in my personal life and trying to get sober, and I had surgery a couple months after the the show uh, finished up in New Orleans. So it was actually a rough time. It was, it was really nice to get past the show, and 2022 has been such a uh, sweet, beautiful, levity-filled year where I got to do some comedy mm -hmm. and... Uh, and my wife got pregnant with our second child. Oh, congrats. It's been a really nice departure from the darkness of Blackbird. And now when I talk about the show, I just get to kind of celebrate how well it turned out, which is which is tremendous. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things I was wondering about, did, did you ever find yourself bringing home the voice of your character, Larry Hall? Because it was a distinctive voice you, you used. Oh. I was so excited to shed that voice every night. Um, it was it was tough to keep that up, man. I think I lost my voice a couple times during the shoot, and uh, and you know I think it was worth it. Though I think the voice is a big part of the the unsettling nature of the character, and you know it's something people respond to. They either think it's funny, and you know, hey, buddy. I, I try to creep my wife out by doing the Larry Hall voice when she's in bed at night. It's usually something really funny, or it's the fact that they were disturbed by it. It kind of haunted them while watching the, the series. Absolutely. Hey, could you do one sentence as, as that voice? <clears throat> oh, man. Let me try here. Uh, Spud Goodman. Here we go. I was talking to Spud Goodman... Who was a really sweet guy, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if he's my friend or if he's just undercover to try to keep me in prison. Okay, okay. I, I think I just wet my pants. So, okay, all right. Okay, let me move on. Spud. Yes? Well, if you get such a kick out of Paul doing a voice from that TV show, then... I would remind you that I can do so many different voices myself if I'm ever given the opportunity to show it to our listeners. Uh, now listen, I'm not trying to compete here with Paul, but I'm just saying there are others who could do this too. Um, uh, just a moment, Paul. I'll be right back. Right. The reason you're not allowed to do voices on this show is no one wants to hear them. Paul here just did a personalized segment for me, Spud Goodman, from the Apple TV series Blackbird. And that is so freaking cool. What are you going to do? Like a Daffy Duck voice saying, what's up, Spud? No, no. I, 
I don't do Daffy Ducks, but I've focused my voice performances on more established human personalities. Like, uh, I do a pretty impressive Lee Majors, you know, the $6 million man uh, TV show, or uh, John Forsyth, who did the voice of Charlie on Charlie's Angels. Uh, and you know what? I have quite a few to select from. Yeah, just keep doing those impersonations when you MC your church's cakewalks and raffles. Not on this radio show. Now let me get back to Paul. Yeah, okay, but real quick, here, here's my Paul Hogan. Crikey. Super. Well, you know, I also said you uh, thought that uh, you did an awesome job in Clint Eastwood's uh, feature film Richard Jewell. Uh, I saw that back-to-back after the Netflix Manhunter Season 2 series that also focused on the story of Richard Jewell. Was it weird to see someone else playing the same character on the TV screen? They had like 10 hours or so to work with, and you had like 129 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I was offered both parts. I was offered the TV one. Uh, and then three days later, I was offered the film. So that was a very unique experience. And, uh, I think I chose right as far as which one to do, but I will say it's worth watching both. My buddy Cameron Britton plays the TV Richard. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most talented actors working today. Uh, I really love that guy. and, And, uh, and we, we, I think we got a good laugh about the fact that we, we, we played the same character on stage in one floor of the Cuckoo's Nest in downtown Los Angeles. We, we played a swing role where we took turns playing, uh, the character of Martini, mm-hmm. which DeVito played in Cuckoo's Nest, the film. Yes. And then we, we both played Richard Jewell. So we have, we have kind of a funny connection, he and I, of, of uh, playing some of the same characters. Oh, okay. Well, both projects were, were very well done. So, uh, well, let me ask you this. You're also a, a, a semi-regular cast member on the Netflix series Cobra Kai. We had uh, William Zabka on the show a couple years ago, and he said he, he was pretty serious about his martial arts studies. You play the character of Raymond Stingray Porter on the show. Off camera, are you uh, into martial arts also, or do you have like a really good stunt double? No, I do everything. I huh? do all my own stunts on that show. Huh. And... Uh, I, I I have zero training in martial arts, but I can kick pretty high. And, yeah, uh, I'm I'm obsessed with doing stunts. I think it's you know until I'm 50 years old, and I can't do it anymore. Like I would like to do it as long as possible because it's part of the fun and the make believe of of getting to be an actor and do those roles. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, Paul, you, you hail from the state of Michigan, the son of a Lutheran minister, and you started working regularly as a stand-up comedian at a very young age, well, like 16. Do you still do gigs, or have you put that to the side for now with a, with a film career and TV stuff? I've I, I put it to the side for now. It's a, it's a weird, time-consuming thing, stand-up comedy. Not time-consuming as in the stage time, but, you know, trying to write the material and get all your reps on stage and really, really kind of hone it and perfect it before doing a special or touring. And I, I think, you know, I think it's something I don't really have time or, or love for. But I will say this, I, I'm friends with a bunch of stand-up comics. Like, I'm buddies with Bill Burr and Pete Davidson mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys. And if they ever ask me to open for them or do a do a pop-in set or something silly and fun like that, I, I would jump into it. That'd be a blast. 
All right, very cool. Well, I know you got to get going, so I'm, let, let's let's end it there. Uh, let me remind people that if they haven't checked out Blackbird on Apple TV, they need to. Yeah, so like immediately, as it's really good. We just appreciate you so much for spending some time with us. This was fun, man. Thank you for for spending time with me. Absolutely, thank you, Mr. Paul Walter Hauser. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, uh, uh. Uh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, back to the music. Here is something from a very talented woman who performed live on our show in 2017, Mia Catherine Boyle. This song is off her 2016 album, MKB Ultra, and it's titled, That Was Then.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Spud, your last guest, Tom Papa, is ready to go. Now, I believe Tom was on our show not that long ago. Yep, and now he has a new Netflix comedy special he wants to talk about. Yeah, he is a very funny man. Uh, yeah, he's one of the top comedians now working in the business, so being funny is kind of a job requirement. Right. I know how important having a great sense of humor is also in being an effective co-host on the radio. I pride myself on my ability to make people laugh. I don't think so. It served me quite well. Really? Uh, I haven't seen that quality in you yeah. myself. I mean, maybe I need to take a closer look. But anyway, just just put Tom through. Yeah, well, you got it. But after the show, I've got a couple of great jokes to share with you. Will you Who shut is up, man? Listen? You, you will love them, but here's Tom. Welcome back to the show, comedian, author, radio host, and just a really witty guy, Mr. Tom Papa. Hey. Good morning. How are you? Yeah. So you have a bit of activity in the career right now. Uh, what with a new book coming out titled We're All in This Together and the new Netflix stand-up special, What a Day. Uh, let's start with the comedy special, as it's pretty darn funny. I've seen it. Uh, this is your fifth Netflix special. So off the record, how long does it take for you to come up with a brand new show? Because that's not something you could like subcontract out to some company overseas or something. You have to put the work in. <laughs> yeah, that would be so nice. If you could just import it from uh, China, that would be great. I, uh, it takes me, it seems like it takes me about two years, Ooh. maybe a little bit more uh, from the last time I do it. I don't really have a tight schedule on it, but it seems naturally to happen about every two years when it's good enough to record. Hmm. Wow. Well, recording live comedy specials, I would think, would be like really high stress as you can't control the audiences. I mean, what if that particular crowd is totally dead, no life or response? Is that ever a nightmare that you have prior to going on stage? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's actually, it's actually could be the opposite problem too, where they're too excited and they think that they're helping and they're too, they're like drunk and amped up uh -huh. and, and yelling. You gotta have to get lucky and find that sweet spot. That's kind of the trick of it, is you, you want it to be as close to the live experience that you have while you're touring. And as you're doing it, you don't know, there's always gonna be that part of it where there's a little a little of the evening that's out of your control. Uh, so you just, you, you have to get a little lucky. So I try and record two mm -hmm. in the night. Mm -hmm. So if one of them gets a little weird, you have the other one that you can edit the other one into and uh, cut all the drunk people out right okay all right good to know um well as you uh do use your experiences with your family in your material do they ever get a bit irked at hearing stories about themselves for others amusement no it's always it's always just a a, a good time for everybody okay just i'm just so, yeah I, in, in this new special i talk a lot about my pug uh, yes yes he seems to be uh a little annoyed the oh yeah the the reference to your daughter I believe was your oldest daughter uh, that was that was very funny but uh, parents I think might be able to relate to this um, okay well what are, what are the differences in writing a comedy show versus writing a book which again you'll soon have out with your next one titled We're All in This Together does a book take much more time or, or the other way around um oh that's an interesting question they kind of it's kind of about the same amount of time. Uh, but it seems like a lot more work for the book. It seems like, cause you're, you know, at least, at least when you're doing the stand-up, you can go in front of people and it's alive and you're kind of editing back and forth and it's very in the moment. 
And the book, you're, you know, sitting at the desk and rereading and reworking and going after it. But uh, I love both of them. They're both, it, the reason I started writing the books was because the stand-up at its best, it's the fewest amount of words that have the most impact. But there's also more you want to say about it. So the book gives me a chance to like go a little deeper into all the subjects. Okay. All right. Um, well, you, you know, on this show, we've been discussing the topic of retirement. Uh, it would seem that you're fortunate that your job can never, ever be the victim of, like, forced retirement or ageism. Comedians and authors can pretty much work until they drop dead. I mean, we were fortunate to have had Don Rickles on a few years back, uh, and he worked on stage until he passed away at, at age 90. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's interesting because I have friends that, are talking about that when they're going to stop and they're really looking forward to stopping and they can't wait to not work anymore and I don't ever think of it in those terms I figure especially with the writing you know at a certain point you probably won't not going to want to tour as much but with the writing if people still enjoy my books and I can just keep doing this until uh, I keel over at the typewriter oh that's uh, not a pleasant thought, but okay. Well, actually, if you think about it, if you got to go, I guess that for I guess that would be the way to go if you're a ran. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you know, I, I I know so many people that do retire and then they don't last for more than a year or two because all of a sudden their sense of purpose is gone. I mean, the, the great part about being an artist is that you can just keep going as long as you have something to say and somebody wants to listen to it. Right. Spud, if I may, what do you want? Well, I too feel, as an artist, that my sense of purpose is what gets me out of bed each morning, both in my career here as a co-host on this show and my other employment position as the third leading salesman this quarter at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle, South Seattle, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Uh, Tom, I'll be right back. All right. Oh, oh, so now you're an artist, huh? Uh, really? Well, yes, I, I like to think so, and I'm just trying to express to you and the listeners how important my career is to my purpose in life. If I have to die on the job, well, I, I sure hope it's on the air while adding witty and incisive commentary or on the sales floor, helping someone pick out the best flooring solution for their home. Yeah, I sure hope you know, if you croak during our radio show, you do it while we're playing a song or during one of my interviews. Is That would be best for the flow of the program, okay? Yeah. It, would, it would cause the least disturbance. Now let me finish this up with Tom. Yeah, all, all right, you, you know what? I'll, I'll try to keep that in mind. All right, I'm back. Uh, where was I? Oh, oh yeah. I was thinking maybe you, yeah, got, almost gotta have some like an irritant in your life though to keep the material coming. Uh, you you, uh, you know you don't want it that well balanced. Is that for for comedy at least? Is that do you find that true? Yes, I do find that true. But I mean, have you ever had a a single week where you weren't annoyed by something? <laughs> no. Well, okay, that's going to lead me yeah. into my to my last question here. I, I know you're a busy man, so I, but I'm going to close with this. Um, Tom, what is now sitting at number one on your list of most annoying things to deal with? Did anything come to mind? Yeah, I was just in a coffee shop this morning, and it was so beautiful and picturesque and quiet. And I walked in, and I got my little coffee, and I was going to sit for a minute. And there was a guy sitting at a table with his iPhone out on a Zoom call with the speaker on 
just blaring in the middle of a public space. Oh. And it seems like people do not think that they think it's okay to have their speaker on their phone and FaceTime and, and watch shows. And I feel like we should be allowed to hit those people with a super soaker. Yeah, at the least. Uh, yeah, that is that's a good point. I think now that I think about it, people do like share a whole lot of their life through their devices when they're like in line or whatever. Yeah, good point. All right, okay. Uh, yeah, I feel like my new strategy is if somebody's on a FaceTime call, then I'm allowed to get close and look at the screen too. Like if you want me to participate, <laughs> I want to get all in. Okay, all right, super. Well, like I said, I know you got to go, so let me say again that your Netflix comedy special is now up, uh, available for streaming, and your new book titled we're all in this together will be out soon just thanks so much for coming back on our show thank you i appreciate it always good talking to you all right mr tom papa my how time flies about the topic of retirement, yeah, I was going to mention that at my other place of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. We are eligible to retire at age 70. Now, there's no pension or 401k plan, but they do throw a really neat party for you. Uh, last month, a former co-worker called it quits. Uh, I, I think he was 74, and management put out quite a spread for us. I even took home some of the leftovers in a Tupperware container. I hope you let the guy retiring have first dibs on the leftovers. No, no need to be a glutton at someone else's retirement party. You strike me as food aggressive. Have you no shame? Seriously. Well, of course I let him take home what he wanted before I took a few things myself. I'm not food aggressive, Spud. Y you know, I never object when others sample my lunches in the station fridge. I, I never complained, even when my desserts are almost always gone when I get to my lunchbox. You can't prevent everything. Hey, I can honestly say I have never, ever swiped any of your desserts in your lunchbox. Well... I may have sampled a few chips and carrot sticks, you know, you brought in, but never, ever dessert. I mean, my God, you like pudding and jello. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you like, we reside in different worlds in that area? You know what I mean! We have a caller on the line who I'm told wants to jump in on this retirement discussion. Do you want to have Trevor put it through? Yeah, you know, we have to take that one call for a show from a listener. So anyway, uh, caller, you're on the air. Oh, hey, hey great, man. Um, you know, so I've been listening to the show, and, and I wanted to say that no one needs to wait until the end of their life to finally quit their job. Okay. I mean, right. that makes no sense, man. Yeah. At, at that point in your life, you're about to have your keys taken away by your kids or the authorities. So I say, do it when you're younger. Okay, all right. That kid on your show, you know, Spud, listen to me, man. That kid on your show, he has the right idea. Yeah. I mean, I first retired at 29. It was a great decision. 29? I think so, too, caller. It's something I've been thinking of doing since I was, like, 12 or 13. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. Uh, caller, if you retired at 29, you must have been quite financially stable to pull that off. Uh, may I ask what profession you were in at the time? Well, back then, I was working at McDonald's. Okay. I wasn't a supervisor or anything, but I was unofficially kind of management. I kept my eye on some of the high school kids that we had working there, and then my boss would let me take home free food at the end of my shift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, okay. the, the point I'm trying to make here 
is that for me, it was the perfect time to tap out. And for the next couple of years, I had the best time of my life, man. It was amazing. That is my hope, caller. So uh, you've been retired since you were 29. How old are you now? If I can me? ask. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 54. Hey, okay. but I, I didn't say I stayed retired. I had to eventually get another job, you know, to pay the bills. So, oh, so you're not you're not retired right now, caller? No, but I'm thinking about breaking the news to my boss soon. You know, there's supposed to be some great stuff released on Netflix and Hulu next month. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is my plan. Yeah, I, I read that too. But, but how, how many times have you retired? You, you sound like a serial retirer, if there is such a thing. Well, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. I've had lots of jobs over the years. Uh, I tend to get bored easily. Okay. You know, that... And there are so many options out there to fill up your day. I mean, I recently took up home brewing. Yeah, okay. Once you buy the equipment, it's pretty cheap to crank out a case or two for the week. I drank beer with my friends. I liked beer. I still like beer. Isn't there some rule or or law that lets you retire so many times? It sounds like some kind of violation. Uh, Caller, it sounds to me like you're just quitting rather than retiring. Uh, I'm just saying here, I, I don't want to get too technical, but I don't think what you're doing can actually be called retiring. Retiring, quitting, but we're talking semantics, man. It's all in how you think about what you do for a living. I mean, for sure, there are different reactions from coworkers when you, you quit rather than retire. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, no one really likes a quitter. No. I mean, well. they never have quitting parties for you with cake and a nice card, do they? No. But, but, no. but my deal is no job should be forever. I learned from my dad, who has never even had a real job in his life. He buys stuff at garage sales and then resells it on eBay. Okay. All Let right. me tell you. He's done quite well, and he's still at it at 81. Yeah. Yeah, but Spud, the man drives a Tesla. Mmm. Oh, that is terrific. That's the car I've told Dorothy we need to buy after our wedding. They're so cool. Well, I'm not opposed to exploring an electric vehicle, honey, but really my Honda Civic still runs pretty good. You know, kid, you know, whatever your name is. Uh, it's Chance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chance, before I hang up, let me tell you something. Never let anyone, especially older people, make you feel bad about the choices you make. It's your life, man. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. Yeah, well, and it's my decision to, like, hang up on you now, caller. Uh, You know, thanks for, uh, you know, I guess, uh, hey. Did he just hang up on me right before I was going to hang up on him? Uh, I believe so. Uh, that was unfortunate, but there's not much you can do now. Well, if he's still listening, he should know. I am banning him from calling in for like 30 days. All right? I, I as the host, do the hanging up. Okay? It's the unwritten code of behavior on all talk shows. Okay? And I, I don't appreciate this guy violating it. I think that this is your way of telling me something. You know, I can sense you're upset, Spud. Yeah, you think? Yeah. W- w- would you like me to sign off now? As they're saying uh, we have to end the show. No. No, I will handle it. Okay? I'm the host. All right. I am Spud Goodman. Be, a the, be all that you can be. See, you're messing me up here. Sorry. Let me do it again. I'm Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. 
Dorothy. Maybe on the way home we can stop by a Tesla dealership. Even if they are closed, we can at least look at them on the lot. No, I suppose we could. And Dorothy, don't let this gold digger make you buy some expensive car. You know, come on. I mean, I, I mean, he rides a 10-speed bike right now. His, his first car cannot be a Tesla. That's ridiculous. We have to go now. Goodbye, everyone. Let's go, Dorothy. Okay, okay. Babe, I'm right behind you. Boy. I hope your aunt has a healthy investment portfolio as she is going to need to tap it in the near future. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. Uh, I, I've already given up on getting anything in her will for sure. But whatever. Anyway, I, I gotta, I'm out of here. I got to go. Later. The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio, associate producer T.J. Pites, video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon, on-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan, copyright 2023 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.